This is the Night Owls Disc Golf Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm JP. And I'm Ben. Hey guys, long time no see. Sorry we missed uh, the, I guess, podcast last week. We were in Vegas and actually Ben wasn't quite in Vegas, but he had sure heck of a time getting there. So that's why we missed it last week. Uh yeah man that was that was wild uh my flight was supposed to go from green bay to chicago chicago to las vegas uh and i was supposed to be in vegas around three o'clock afternoon local time so i could you know see a little bit of vegas maybe play around yeah that didn't happen uh flight to chicago canceled took a bus four and a half hours to chicago and then got on a flight in chicago at 8 p.m. local time and arrived at 10 p.m. Las Vegas and then hit the pillow hard. Yeah, it was a it was a long day. I remember picking you up and you were like, oh, finally. <laughs> I think my exact so, words were, get me to a bed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, oh, it was man. it was fun and exciting trying to figure out. Um, where Ben was in the world. It was kind of like Carmen San Diego. Like, what is he doing now and where is he going? Um, but it was really fun to kind of keep up on the updates through um, the ridiculousness of the texts because you'd have this thing where like, well, a rental car is going to cost me $700 to get down to Milwaukee. <laughs> I'm like, wait, 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 no, try Madison. Nothing out of Madison. They just shut down the airport. Nothing out of Appleton. They shut down the, it was just, it was nuts. Like every little thing. Um, but you made it. So, and we appreciate it. Um, I have no thought provoking question today. So we're just going to kind of drop, jump into it. Thrower, hanger, flipper. What'd you guys buy? I'll go first. Uh, yesterday, um, Brazos is Brazis. I don't know what the plural is. Plural. <laughs> Uh, those dropped for uh, for Ranger Team and Alpha and Bravo. Um, so I picked up a Brazos yesterday. I got to look. I don't think it's shipped yet. Um, but then off of Emerson Keith at LVC, I got a Founders uh, BB6. So both of those are mm -hmm. throwers. And then um, the other thing I got uh, was I, I won Ring of Fire. I won a Ring of Fire with a... Uh, Shane will discuss. I want to ring a fire with a Supreme Judge. A uh, judge, huh? At, at LVC. <laughs> um, so I got a really cool uh, a Halo Czar. Uh, I believe that's an infinite disc with a with a cool Vegas stamp on it. Um, so that one's going to be a hanger for me. Nice. And I and would you would you win the putting contest with the Supreme Judge? <laughs> Oh, okay. Okay. I was just wondering. Uh, and so within Lone Star's contract, you can have like up to two discs that aren't Lone Star, right? Uh, I mean, technically, yes, but I didn't have my bag out there and you, the guy was walking around with the cowbell and said, ring of fire. And I was like, quick, I need something. And you just handed me that. And then, you know, it only took till night two. Night one, I didn't get anywhere, but night two... <laughs> Came through and won that. Uh, Gabby got a shirt out of it. She did. She did. And then, yep. uh, matter of fact, I guess still got to give it to her. Nice. And then I won that that uh, a really cool like ceramic, concrete clay uh, mug that was the same company that mm -hmm. made the trophies. So if you check check out any photos from the event, uh, you'll be able to 
kind of see what they kind of look like. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, so that, that's what I got. Well, I know for a fact JP has some. So JP has some what discs? Uh, well, I bought Dempsey a Halloween buzz. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's throwing that in the basement, and then I bought a what is it? Recruit light basket for my basement because the other one was buried under two feet of snow. So I couldn't really get outside and practice at all. So that's in the basement. We're using it and having fun with it. But I, I swore you posted that you bought four Doom, Doombird fours. Yeah, but I, I talked about that earlier. They just came oh, in. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they, right. just, they just shipped because those were pre-orders in early January. So I just got those on Monday. Awesome. You put out a Tuesday, what are you doing with them? I'm going to have thrown at least one of them or two of them. And then maybe just collect one. Good call. Or two. Or yeah. Well, I gave one to Dempsey. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So you're a good wanted, dad. Yeah. I gave him one with the not so pretty foil, just a matte black. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's like the ugly one, like, eh, I don't really like this one. You can have it. <laughs> well, I was, I was planning on giving him one anyway, but yeah, it happened to be the uglier one. <laughs> <laughs> The ugly duckling out of the out of the birds. I'm sure he doesn't care. No, not at all. So I had a a pepper, a founder's lariat, and I don't think I bought anything else while I was out there. Um, Goliath discs. So, oh, and then I bought the three Goliath discs. Now I did not throw any of those, but we it is a new manufacturer um, based out of Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and they're not being manufactured or molded by another disc golf company. They're doing it all themselves. So I picked that up and I was like, man, this would be awesome. I want to check it out. And the driver they had, which I did not get one because they'd just gotten it approved, um, feels exactly like a grace. Um, so I'm excited to throw that one once they come out. And then the mid i don't know if there was much that it felt like i mean it kind of feels like a classic rock the rim but then the flight plate is very mutant ish so it has kind of that angular and then the putter is a p2 i mean it, it seemed very much like every other standard straight putter out there um but the plastics felt fantastic i don't do you agree ben yeah they felt really premium didn't you know for like a new company, I feel like, you know, it could have gone either one of two ways just with cost wise, mm-hmm. but I feel like they, they went all out to get, to, you know, give a really premium feel on, on all the plastics too. Cause even the ones you didn't buy, there was a couple other plastic types that they had in there in the bins and mm-hmm. they all just felt super great. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were really good. I mean, they're, they're on par with any other plastic out there that any other manufacturer has. So I'm excited to see what they do. You know, I, I always root for the small companies like that. So we'll see, you know, maybe they're the next Lone Star. Who knows? Um, so the pepper I bought because it was a super windy Vegas challenge. Um, and the day I went out and got the pepper, I realized that my most stable disc was a str- Supreme Trespass. <laughs> I had an enforcer in my bag too, I lie. But outside of the enforcer, all I had was the Supreme Trespass. So I bought a pepper. Um, and I bought an Invictus. I lied. I bought an Invictus as well. I didn't throw either of them. I threw the pepper twice 
and they are meat hooks. Um, at least the one that I have is an absolute meat hook. Um, so it did exactly what it was supposed to do and exactly what I expected it to do. Even in the wind, it was like 30, 35 mile an hour gusts. Um, so got those two. And then what was the other one I got? Oh, the founder's lariat. I have not thrown that, but I found the founder's lariat and I love the lariat. So if it has a little more beef than a standard lariat, I'm going to be pretty excited about it. Um, and then that's it. So, and all of those, I don't buy discs to just, well, I lie. I do buy discs to put them away, but, um, I'll probably throw all those mentioned with our sponsorship of LVC. We also got a firebird, a Toro. Actually, I got two firebirds, a Toro. And then what was the one you got? The one you won in the ring of fire? Uh, I, I won a czar, but the other one that um, was in the pack, because I forgot to mention this as well, um, but it was a Millennium First Contact Vila. So it's kind of like an eagle. Um, it's Calvin's. Um, mm, Calvin's new disc. Yeah. yeah. Was it the Helios plastic or is it just the Quantum? Is that what it's called? It's Helios. So um, I ended up, well, I'll just kind of talk about it right now. I had the option mm -hmm. while you and Jordan Shane were playing to, they came around, um, Jeff Jaqua came around and was like, Hey, we're doing this, but you got to go right now. You got to have the opportunity to buy the Toro, the Firebird and the Vila. Um, so I, I purchased it and then I flipped the Toro and the Firebird. And then I gave that, um, Vila or Vela, whatever they're calling it, however it's pronounced to, uh, team member Lucas Stabenow for his birthday. Um, but it's, I think it's, I'm assuming it's the Helios is what they're calling it, but it's, I mean, it's pretty much just the halo plastic from, mm -hmm. from Innova. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we got the czar in the, um, in the pack that I got and a first run charger. And the one I got was black with a silver stamp on it. And it was one of the two that were sitting on the table of like 7,000 of them. Um, so it was beautiful discs. I, I liked them all. I haven't thrown any of them, but I'm interested to see what the charger is because supposedly it's the Shrike's bigger brother, but everybody that I'm hearing has thrown it. It's a destroyer's bigger brother. So we'll see. Um, belief. That's what I would assume too, especially for my arm. But well, yeah, so here's a preview. We're going to go over an LBC recap. We're going to talk Gannon Burr. Yes, it has been talked about quite a bit, but we didn't get a chance to talk about it. So you'll just have to bear with us. Um, we're going to talk Waco. We're going to make our picks. Um, we have a PDGA's big announcement. Um, random question brought to you by Ben, and then we'll do some shop updates. So it'll be probably a shorter episode, but <clears throat> we do have the ability of making things a lot longer than they should be. So um, maybe not. So let's start with the LVC recap. Um do you want to go over winners, Ben, since you were there? Yeah, I can do that. Uh, so we'll start on the FPO side because that's what I watched first, followed that car, uh, that lead card for a while. Um, Katrina Allen taking it down um, for a second consecutive year. Uh, wire to wire winner. Um, I mm -hmm. saw that um, from Stat Mando that she took the lead on her second hole of the tournament. On round one, and then never gave it up. Looked a little weary at times. 
in the final round. Not that I thought that she was going to lose, but just uh, she made it, it was going to be a little bit closer than, than what people kind of had thought going in. Um, and then uh, looking uh, at the men's side, then Calvin Heimberg uh, took it on the last hole uh, from Kevin Jones. Uh, he wins his second LBC, not consecutively, but he is now a two-time champion of LBC. Um, I don't remember how everything shook out. So JP, if you've got it, um, other than Kevin Jones was in uh, second uh, on the men's side. Um, yeah, Kevin Jones tied with Ezra at minus 29. Then it was Kyle Klein in fourth, tied with Drew Gibson, Paul in sixth, Zach Arlinghouse seventh, Matt Bell, Corey Ellis, Maddie O, Emerson Keith, Anthony Rilla, all tying for eighth, and then Eagle came in 13th. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, let's see. It was Katrina, Missy Gannon in second, Holland Hanley in third, who had the hot round, final round. She shot really well, I think a 10-16 rated unofficial mm-hmm. round. Uh, Hannah Blomers and Ella Hansen tied in fourth, Haley King seventh, Jessica Wheat, or fourth, just Haley King sixth, Jessica Wheat seventh, Own Scoggins eighth, John Allen ninth, tied with Carolyn Henderson, who's kind of a new name, and Alexis Montano, kind of rounding things out. Hannah and, uh, and Ella immediately had to go play a playoff hole on Infinite immediately after the round to go pick up the uh, to determine who is going to get the final throw pink women's disc golf uh, <laughs> championship uh, qualifier spot. I didn't see who I saw won. an Instagram post about that. I didn't see that either. Who won? But that's pretty amazing <laughs> to go do that right away. Mm-hmm. And so in MFPO, I don't know if there's a ton to talk about. I don't know if there's a huge storyline there, just simply because Katrina Allen. From I mean, I think the closest someone got was three strokes. Um, so there wasn't really a lot to talk about in that regard. Now, on the men's side, on F, uh, MPO, they have one of the most kind of upsetting losses, in my opinion, for Kevin Jones. Because when you think of Kevin Jones, Kevin Jones played LVC, as you would assume Kevin Jones would. When you hear that name, you're like, oh, Kevin Jones, he's a great player. He was hitting putts the way he was. He was throwing bombs, you know, that Heiser flip. He was just doing everything right. Um, It came down to the final round, and it seemed like he let up on the gas pedal a little bit. Um, And that is where Calvin Heimberg decided he was going to mush it to the floor and, and just no regard. Um, act like there was no break in it. So what I want to talk about is why do you think Kevin Jones played the last few holes? And we'll specifically talk about 16 and 17, 18. I think he did the right thing. We'll specifically talk about 16 and 17. Why do you think he appeared to have laid up on those holes? Well, 17, he laid up. There's no question in my mind. Why on 16 as well? I I don't know. Uh, obviously, this has been a topic amongst other podcasts. Other people are trying to figure this one out as well. I, th- I think in his mind, I think for sure on 17, but I think 16, he might have been looking at statistics of like how it had played out. 
in the previous round and how other people were playing it um, and just decided to go with the majority and then force Calvin to, to do something incredible. Um, now, granted, I don't, I don't know, but like just looking at the statistic, I do know on 17, only there was only 17 or sorry, only seven birdies on that uh, hole. And only, mm-hmm. only one person had put it inside the circle. So I think he was just being over conservative uh, and forcing Calvin to do something. Um, like you said, Calvin just I would, laid out, laid on the gas. I would, I would agree with that, except for the fact that Calvin threw first on 17 and right. put it within 40 feet. And then Jones basically just chooses to throw a putter, grabs a putter, throws it to the landing zone, um, which is a safe play for anybody other than the top level pros, because to say that um, Jones doesn't have the type of distance to carry a 440 foot shot. He has that all day, every day. I mean, he aced what a 400 foot hole, didn't he? I mean, he fell to his knee, but like he aced a 400 foot hole and it was downhill. There's certain circumstances that are completely different, but man, why did he lay up? Like it, it just, it doesn't make sense because it put him in a situation that he had to birdie 18 in order to force a tie instead of being able to par 18 to force the tie. So I don't know. It just seems strange to me. Where's the mentality? Is this a, I'm not used to this spotlight. Weren't they tied going into 18? But Kate, no. Kevin par. I thought Kevin saved. No, yeah, no. Kevin bogeyed. And 17? Yeah, on 18, he ended up throwing out of bounds when he threw his putter at the basket. He ended up going out of bounds. They couldn't see it very well, but there's that little bit of water right behind. And mm-hmm. I think he went into that. Yeah, but yeah. didn't he... So... He say, did he save par in 17, though? He well, yeah, down. he saved yeah. par. Yeah, okay. But yeah, I mean, that, that's... I think... The result is neither here nor there. If yeah. he would have stayed on the gas, he would have had a cushion. Since he didn't stay on the gas, he didn't have the cushion. So he didn't remain in control of his game. He let someone else dictate what he needed to do in his game. That's kind of my perspective on it as watching it. I I was a bit disappointed because I was super excited to see him win. I'm super excited to see Calvin win. I think that's fantastic as well. Um, although it did line up for a absolutely amazing upshot <laughs> that hit the flagpole, bounced off the top and then bounced off. I mean, that's, you can't get more, I guess, uh, serendipitous than that, um, in a final hole, but yeah, so I, I am a, lit, a bit disappointed in how he seemed to have let up on the throttle towards that, towards the end of the tournament. And he let Calvin Heimberg. Now, Calvin went three for three in the last, what, three holes? Or, excuse me, he, he three got 15, of the last four 16, holes. And then he got 18. And yeah. 15 and 16 aren't typically easily birdied. And he was able to do that no. and catch up to Kevin. And then 18 is where he got kind of lucky because he threw and landed just over the cart path 
mm-hmm. and could have easily have rolled back across the cart path to the other side, which was out of bounds or into the water. And then mm-hmm. Kevin had that really low um, throw that just like got batted down in the wind, which was a tip, like just a very off throw. Just didn't hit his line when everybody else was throwing really high because they knew the wind was going to affect mm-hmm. it and got unlucky. Right. Yeah. And that throw for the cart path, like I know a lot of people are making a big deal out of that. I mean, that was still safe by six feet. You know, yes, it can pick up, it can roll. I mean, that can happen at any point at any time. But I think a lot of people are making a big deal out about it. But that is one section of the, it's one of the only sections on the entire course that the car path is safe. So if you land on that car path, you land on the car path. There's no mm-hmm. issues there. Um, it goes all the way up until basically where that wooden fence is up to the right-hand side of where the pin is located. So that fence follows all the way back down the hill. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's disappointing. It's disappointing to see that Kevin didn't keep on the gas. That's all, you know, and it, he kind of handed, I hate the saying, I think I've heard this in a few and I've read it is that Calvin didn't win Kevin. What Kevin lost it. Calvin didn't win it. I hate that saying, (laughs) I understand the sentiment behind it, but Heinberg won it. Heinberg made the moves that he needed to make. And to make that comparison is kind of goofy, but I am disappointed to see Kevin lose it. So just pulling it up here, the turning point was hole 12. Because Kevin on 12 through 18, he parred and then took a double on 18. And hole 12, Mm -hmm. Calvin birdied, par, par, birdie, birdie. Hard 17 and then part 18. So the mm-hmm. whole 12 was really the turning and, point um, because he just kind of, I mean, it's cliche, but he just played par for the course. I mean, he, he wasn't really in position, in my opinion, to really give anything a run to try and score. He was really just kind of getting mm-hmm. up and down. So 16 is an interesting hole. Um, and I know because I played it. So, I'm trying to compare it and I played it in the wind. Well, very similar wind to what they played it in. That is a hole that I got. I know I got the par of four one time. I think I, no, I got the five the next round. So that was in like that 35 mile an hour headwind. But where I was sitting on my second shot was probably where, Heimberg was sitting because I kind of fluffed one off into the bushes. Then I had to play a forehand. And from where Kevin was sitting, it's kind of as a pro, a pedestrian 400 footer for him. So I'm not sure why he laid up short. The only thing I can think of is, I mean, wind doing weird things because that that hole is very long so as the wind swirls Mm -hmm. like the only that's the only thing i could think of is if he tried to go for more distance and just cross paths of the wind on that fairway beat it down i mean i i don't know i mean because i was standing in a very particular spot and like 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 i said it's it's a very long course over or a long hole over that fairway and the yep. flag was moving at different ways at different times. There was some banners that were going back and forth, but it's all speculation. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about OB um, and things getting hit by discs. <laughs> um, so Cat had had hit a cart and arguably could have gone back in, could have gone out or stayed out. Um, and then AB hits the U-Disc Spectator, um, or excuse me, the U-Disc um, Rangefinder, and stays in a bunker. Arguably, would he have bounced out or not? Who knows? You don't know because it hit these spectators. So do you think something needs to be done about spectator? Well, neither of them are actually spectators. One was a volunteer golf cart, and then the other was somebody taking measuring distances of throws. Do you think something needs to be done? Or are these kind of just random incidents that happen? This is random, kind of like the uh, Ricky Umbrella Gate at GMC where the umbrella was in bounds and he hit the umbrella like he was going out. Um, on the the AB thing's unfortunate because um, the volunteer was by the, I think it was the Jomez Pro cameraman. Mm -hmm. And so those cameras obviously aren't as technologically capable as, you know, some of the bigger um, network t network cameras, you know, like zoom wise or, you know, able to get into good positions to get them. So he was the volunteers seem to be following the cameraman, but you got to know AB bombs, right? Like he has the potential to reach there and pass that sand trap. So I think they could have possibly gotten into a better location or maybe be in the sand trap. Like if that's not mm -hmm. a big deal, if you're in the actual hazard rather than being on the field of play. Um, but unfortunate kick. And I think at that point it wasn't going to cost AB anything because he was kind of on a downward turn at that point. As far as the tournament goes, he wasn't competing. But I think we just have to have better awareness of where what pros are capable of and i don't know the out of bounds thing with katrina with the cart i mean i don't know why health carts are out um you know for volunteers to use when i think the course is fairly accessible but like you said if it was going to come back in or it could have stayed out i mean it's out of bounds and it actually it hits an object i mean it could have hit a wall you know that's along mm -hmm. the people's houses and stayed out. It's the same thing or it's hit anybody. Right. Where's what's the line once it's out of bounds too bad. So sad. I don't know. Yeah. I think there's two arguments to be made. So I'll compare it to golf golf. People line the fairways like crazy. And if a mm -hmm. ball hits a spectator and goes somewhere other than it shouldn't, you play that ball as it lies. Um, I mean, we can, we can hearken back to, um, you know, uh, one of the icons of golf of, you know, shooter McGavin having to hit off of, <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, to be serious. Um, I mean, there's been plenty of times where it has gone off spectators. Like I've seen them go off spectators heads and end up landing on a huge, like grassy knoll and they have to play it where that comes to rest. Um, I think within disc golf, it's going to be the same thing. Um, if it hits a spectator, it hits a spectator. It was an errant throw. And if you know you're going to be throwing that way, what you need to do is have the crowd move. That's the big sticking point that I have with it. Golf has 
rangers, judges, whatever you want to call them, that you say, hey, I want these people to move. And these people will come in and help move them off of the line. So, hey, I'm going to come right over this way. I'm going to hit a, hit a hook or a slice or whatever it is that I'm going to do. I'm going to hit a, you know, some sort of worm burner across like you guys need to move. And they have officials that will help them move. Uh, disc golf does not have that. So it is on the player or the player's caddy. This might be a great use for a player's caddy to make sure that that happens. Um, I think at this point, ABs is probably one that I could look at and say, hey, because that bunker is just out of reach of my best throw, which my best throw is AB's worst throw. So, and not even his worst throw, like his worst throw with a putter. <laughs> so you should know that that bunker should be out of play or should be in play. And you shouldn't be standing at the front side of that bunker. So I think it's also using volunteers in the areas that you go to, to do things that are not familiar with how people play and where good safe places are. Now, no, no salt to this guy because he was following the Jomez camera guy. And I would assume if there's anybody that knows what they're doing, it's going to be the Jomez camera guys. So does something need to be done about it? I don't think so. I don't think it's a big deal as being made out to be. But could there be something done about it? Sure, sure. But I think it's on the players. Yeah, so what I'll just say quick is is that the the guy that was got hit by AB uh, was doing the bush now. And mm-hmm. when he got hit or when AB was throwing, this one's a little bit on him because he was spotting somebody else's lie instead of okay. paying attention oh, to everything okay. coming in. So... Obviously, when you're range finding, you're not your peripherals are kind of just taken away. Um, mm-hmm. So that one's on him. But mm-hmm. he was standing directly behind the Jomez camera, so I don't fault him for his position. I think it's just more or less just his spatial awareness of and the timing, yeah, so, situational awareness. Yeah, yeah. Um, the 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 cart the cart that was out there had like the the leaders on it but it was mostly just for like relief for the volunteers and like the spotters and some of the holes so it had like water and some snacks in there um so that mm-hmm. one again situational awareness i think that probably is not a great position for it so like i'm agreeing with like it's not really an issue yet but it's more or less just like a these are minute things that could have just happened or, or changed just very little things um right. But as far as like the marshals go, when I was walking with the both of the lead cards, they had people that were moving us along as far as like, you need to, you don't stand here, stand here. Like this hole, you can be inbounds because they're not going to be here or they're not going to be throwing mm-hmm. or you need to be out of bounds on this hole. But I think it's what you said with caddies and the players. Obviously, these people from the pro tour aren't don't know what they're going to throw. They don't know if they're going to throw a backhand or a forehand. They might know traditionally people throw a big hyzer in. So we got to move people mm-hmm. out of this way, but it's still, it's going to be on the player and, and or a caddy then to like talk to the to people from the pro tour and say, I'm throwing a big hyzer here. We're, we need you gotta exactly. get these people to move. So. Yeah. Yeah. Just there is up. some onus on the player. It, it has to be put on the player uh, first and foremost. And then from there, there are, and I'm not saying AB situation because honestly, AB situation, in my humble opinion, is 100% on the Bushnell guy. I mean, 
it hit him. It, he's the one responsible for it. Now, whether it would have stayed in bounds or not, who knows? Who knows? But the fact is, is that he wasn't paying attention. I mean, there's nothing else to be said. So unfortunately he got hit and now we're talking about him <laughs> and he'll probably never hold a Bushnell again for the pro tour. <laughs> so, um, it just sucks. Cause he's a so volunteer. Yeah, I, like that's just always like the worst does. part is that like did it out of the kindness of his own heart. Just wanted to be around the pro tour, not getting paid, got some merch and some mm -hmm. stuff out of it. Like that's just the bummer of it. Yeah, it, it is. It is. But it's also a bummer that, that was, in my humble opinion, I know JP said that AB was already out of it, but I think that was kind of the turning point at AB's round after watching it. That was where his demeanor and attitude and his shots just kind of fell off. I don't know if his attitude necessarily did, but definitely his demeanor fell off. So it was unfortunate. It really was. I was also rooting for him, highly rooting for him. Like I was like, that'd be great to see AB switch, take down the first pro tour, and everybody's, you know, seeing who AB really is. So, all right. So recap, um, should I go over my play? I don't know. Yeah. Is that something interesting? Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to. Yeah. So I played the old guy division, um, did pretty well. Um, I did make cash. Um, I got a cortisone shot on Monday. By Wednesday, I was feeling fantastic. Thursday, we teed off and I did pretty darn well. Got myself into 19th position on the first day out of 78. Um, second day actually just stayed exactly where I was. Um, after playing infinite, I didn't shoot very well there. Um, and then third day was the crazy day with all the wind, um, horrible weather. And being that I was 19th, I was only what five cards off the off the off the latest um coming in so we got to about hole 12 and it was like someone turned on a propeller from an airplane <laughs> and it was just nuts so it was about well i was a little sooner than that probably around hole nine um the actually the hole that ab hit the hit the bushnell guy on um, the wind picked up, but it was a tailwind at that point. So it wasn't really that big of a deal. So we make the turn and hole 11, you could feel it. Hole 12 is where we really felt it, which was the Paul Macbeth ace hole. Um, so on hole eight, I threw drive and I felt a little twinge kind of like on my shoulder, right in this area. And I played through and every time I drove, the pain was a little worse and then the pain was a little worse and on hole 12 was when I felt it. Um, I threw a shot and just like someone took a scalpel and stabbed me right in my lat, like my uh, right below my shoulder in the lat, the latissimus dorsi for those of you, but right in my lat. And from that point forward, it was incredibly painful to throw any backhand. And for those of you that were there for the wind and those of you that weren't throwing backhand into 30 mile an hour headwind with a really stable disc, you have to throw it hard. Um, so I couldn't avoid, but to throw it hard. So from that point forward, 
I made the turn and I was five under. Now we're playing the same, same layout that MPO plays. I was five under through, I believe I was five under up to, no, I was four under at 12. So I had lost one on hole 10 and then part 11 and then 12. That's when it all went awry. <laughs> so I was four under by that time. By the time I finished 18, I was six over. <laughs> so from four under to six over 10 stroke swing in that long. And I wasn't like my whole card that happened to everybody. Um, so I get back and I stayed in the money It stayed in the cash. And I actually went up to 15th in that round with a six over. Um, that's how bad the weather was the, or 15th, I don't know. It was 15th or 16th. I started out. So I was on third card going out the next day. So it must've been no fourth card going out. So it must've been yeah 15th or 16th. So final day, I wasn't even sure I was going to play. I mean, I think I told you, Ben, like, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to play. Um, so the night before I got like any sort of topical ointment, I took ibuprofen. I, um, one of the gentlemen staying with us is a massage therapist and he's like, okay, let me see if I can get this thing out and did one of those deep tissue massages. And for those of you that may know me or don't know me, I've never had a massage in my life because I don't like people touching me. So I've never, ever once had a massage, like believe it or not, 41 years old, almost 41 years old, never had a massage. <laughs> and so Aaron gives me a massage, like does one of those deep tissue massages. And I'm like, this is garbage. Like, why am I doing this? This hurts so much the whole time I'm sitting there. I mean, like in pain, pain. And I felt a little relief after he's done. And I was like, this is great. Wake up the next morning. And I feel so, so much better. I go out to the course, start to warm up and it tightens right back up. So I go to the tent and there was a massage therapist in the tent and I have her kind of work on it, but she comes at it from like where my peck is like in my armpit one of the most painful things I've ever felt in my life. I don't know if you've ever had anybody massage a muscle on your back from the front. <laughs> it hurts so bad. Um, so nevertheless, she gets it worked out. And so I play the final round, which is fantastic, but I lose 10, 11 spots in that, but I still stayed in cash. So pretty happy with it. Um, I'm happy with my play, but I did tear my lat muscle. And it is still on fire and in pain, but it's okay. It'll get better over time. Um, and I had some, I had an athletic trainer look at it and they basically said the only thing that you, it's not completely torn. The only thing you can do is just give it rest. So that's what I'm doing. Just giving it rest. And so, but it was a good successful tournament. The LVC table that we had for door disc golf went over swimmingly as, as good as I could imagine. We know what to change for next year. We know what to bring for next year. And we plan on being there next year. So I think outside of that, uh, I think that's about it. It's a good time. Anything I else? Thoroughly enjoyed yeah, it yeah. myself. Good, good. All right. So glad to hear you guys had fun. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we offered. We offered. You just said the post office wouldn't give you time off. Yeah, that's hard to get off. That's time here. <laughs> All right, so Ganon Burr and Prodigy, how much do we really want to talk about this? Other um, than that, Prodigy is suing Ganon Burr for breach of contract. I mean, I don't 
really, I mean, other than what's kind of already out there, I can just kind of speak to the demeanor of Gannon over the weekend because um, at the table across from us uh, was a, a company based out of Iowa and Gannon was uh, rolling with those guys um, as far as just like when he wasn't playing or warming up, he was there. And I couldn't really mm-hmm. tell much because I haven't seen Gannon outside of just like coverage or videos before, but he just kind of looks kind of blah. It's kind of wow, I would say. Just mm-hmm. like his attitude and everything. Like you could tell that this at least this is my my opinion of just being there and just seeing him. Um yeah, just kinda of looked kind of blah, like didn't really have too many highs or too many lows, just kind of like was there. Like so I think that this was kind of eating at him because I mean, he's just being so young and then like having the eyes all on you is one thing, but then having all the eyes on you because of quote unquote, a scandal or something scandalous Mm -hmm. is, is, is a hard task to manage. Yeah, I agree. I would, I would second the feeling that Gannon seemed to be a bit aloof because of what was going on. Um, he was wearing full Prodigy regalia. Um, I don't know if his discs had Prodigy stamps on them yet or not, but um, he seemed to be doing as well as he could be f- considering the circumstances. His mom and I believe it was his dad were both there. Um, and they had talked about it a little bit um, and just overhearing stuff. It, it sounds like it and not talking in specifics. They just, you could hear them be like, Oh yeah, I know. Like someone would be like, I'm sorry about the lawsuit. And they're like, you know, it is what it is. It's kind of what they did. I, I didn't, I don't care to recite exactly what they said. Cause it's not my business to say it, but it did seem, it did seem very melancholy in the Burr family. <laughs> so in the Burr, the Burr booth, I guess, um, you know, when he was around, it seemed like things were a bit down, you know? So, um, JP, you want to add anything to it? Um, yeah, no, I think my perspective would be like him feeling as though he was doing the right thing and like feeling like he was free. And then all of a sudden having the, you know, restraining order on him, forcing him to pretty much continue to throw um, and getting that news would kind of really bum me out when you had these plans of just being let go and, or seemingly him being free from his contract based upon the, what he claims were breaches by prodigy. And then saying, Oh no, no, um, you still have to carry, you know, represent us through our discs for seemingly the next year or until whenever this is resolved. And I think like you guys said, that kind of weighed on him and he had finished, I think in 30th is what I'd seen and heard, you know, he was only throwing, I think what I heard seven, seven discs or so he wasn't using a full lineup. His bag but pretty, hopefully this empty. Yeah. I mean, hopefully this can all get resolved fairly soon. I think from what else I heard is that on Friday, the third, I think Friday, the third, there's another hearing about, um, the case. So hopefully more information will come out after that. Um, mm-hmm. from the court papers that we kind of all looked through, um, we don't know what exactly the breaches 
are or what he is claiming were breaches because his contract was mostly redacted with all financial um, situation with his financial situation and a lot of the details. So, yeah, I don't know. We know we know what he's claiming is the breach, and we know what Prodigy is claiming is the breach. Yeah. Um, but as far as what the actual breaches are, we don't know because, right. like you said, it's it's not out there. Nor are we lawyers, nor do we play ones on TV. Um, ben might, but we don't. <laughs> I try. So, yeah, yeah. So, I want to talk more about Prodigy. Um, I know I'm kind of like driving a nail <laughs> right now, um, but what is the deal? What do you think is, I want your guys' perspective on what you think Prodigy is doing with this. What statement are they trying to make? Because you don't do this to a 17-year-old kid for, in all reality, a very inconsequential contract for a company. What what are they going for? Because this is also not to mention that they are also in a lawsuit with Squatch. Over their bag design? Over their bag design. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I mean, I saw, we kind of thought that maybe it would happen, but I didn't hear anything otherwise yeah. about that. Um, I assume, I, let's say, I assume there is some sort of legal action being taken. I don't know for sure if it's happening or not. So I want to make that statement known. This is an assumption in my part. It seems to me like if he were to leave or if they wanted him to leave that, they were just going for some kind of monetary compensation. So you think that Simon set the bar with Discmania and that's what they're trying to receive is some sort of payout contract buyout? Yeah, that seems to me they're fearing, like what they had said is that you know, they consider him to be their elite player when, you know, Kevin Jones probably had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and tried to like prove that this weekend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but their fear was that, you know, they'd be losing out on these on disc sales and any other promotion they could use with Gannon. And that would cause them monetary, you know, cost them monetary stake in the market and hard to say if it would or not. Um, well they got to have desirable discs to yeah. affect the sales of their discs. And that's very true because I think the notion that they're desirable <laughs> is just dropping by the second, you know, based on quality of discs, like the public opinion is already pretty low. And, mm -hmm. um, so I don't know what they can stand on. And it's funny too, because Drew Gibson had, said that they tried to um sue chris dickerson when he left as well so you're right. like well i heard something similar us? about uh uh cat as well oh wow see i thought cat was out of her contract when she left yeah i i don't know but i heard those two names come up mm -hmm. and once again this is all speculation yeah, um yeah that's oh ben why don't you go and then i'll tell you what i think my thing is is was just i mean it's very similar to like i think that's the end goal for prodigy is that they know that this isn't going to go anywhere so they're looking for a, a settlement but i think that this is the reason they're doing this well it's a bad look because G gannon's a minor but i think the reason for this is that they're trying to make a statement it's like the fool me once chris dickerson left fool me twice 
with cat like we can't keep getting fooled we can't keep doing like i think that's their the rationale in their brain or what they're trying to say is it has to end somewhere within the market as a whole or within disc golf as a whole that like people just can't leave contracts early and they're trying to set this the tone there and they're also trying to set something with in their own company so i think this is like a statement for them or they're trying to make a statement but it's just really unfortunate for them that their discs are not good uh for anybody to want to go there or to hold up or really to hold any weight within a contract and two that ganon is 17 years old like it's just not a mm-hmm. great look mm-hmm. like so it's unfortunate that he's the one that has to bear this right right so i I will throw a little flack and say that they're to say that their discs aren't good. I don't, I don't know if that's fair. Cause I think their molds are good. I think their production and quality are poor or can be poor. Um, yeah, I've thrown some good, qual- I've thrown some good prodigy discs. It's just that the quality on some of their plastics is subpar below what you would totally agree. Well, below. Be, yeah. Like a yeah. premium plastic. Yeah well below and, and and flashing issues so far mm-hmm. so forth and so on rumor is and i heard this through ben but i'm going to say it <laughs> um rumor is is that he didn't even sell anything at the indoor event that he was at simply because the discs were of such poor quality as far as flashing goes um so that's <clears throat> that's unfortunate so here's my opinion on what prodigy is doing i think there is a resentment there towards other manufacturers and other disc golf companies, because everybody has the tides have lifted their ships. I don't think you're seeing that within prodigy. And I think there's a resentment to the market in that regard. And I think these are these last stitch efforts of a company in trouble, trying to grab it, whatever they can, because if any rational thinking marketer says that a lawsuit against one of your endorsed players is smart or beneficial for the company, you should fire that person immediately. And that is exactly what prodigy should do. And if it is the CEO, I don't care if he's a master's world champion. If it is the CEO, he needs to walk away from that company immediately in order for that company to survive. I, so in summation, I truly think it is a last stitch effort to save a dying company. I just think it's a swing and a miss. I think they're trying to hold on to somebody that has some sort of relevance that will hopefully bring them in money by suing him. Figure that one out. And when you look at market share of Prodigy, Prodigy is only losing ground to every single manufacturer, every single large manufacturer out there. And the fact that they have two production facilities, when they have a production facility in the United States that they can control quality and they still choose to send there because they can't reach that quality and they still choose to send their manufacturing overseas. That also speaks volume. Now there's an economic reason for why they're doing that because those discs are going to be much cheaper than producing them in the United States. I get it. But 
If you're having poor quality issues, you need to get a hold of that before you try to reach out and start doing other things. So I can go on and on about what I think or what I feel about the business practices of Prodigy, but I do think that this is one of the straws that will break that camel's back. If it's not the straw. So Prodigy might be for sale for pretty cheap pretty soon. So maybe door disc golf will <laughs> have a manufacturing plant in Georgia, Dalton, Georgia. <laughs> I mean, I did hear someone bring it up that now would be the perfect time for Prodigy to sell. I don't remember who brought it up, but I did hear that take that when you're low, it might be time to get out. <laughs> yep. Before it's worth nothing. Um, mm -hmm. I was looking up company valuations and Prodigy was one of the companies I was looking up and comparably speaking to quite a few of the other larger companies that produce plastic, actually make their own plastic. They are not even a, a third of the market share that these other companies have. So, um, and it's only getting lower that market trends down as far as their company valuation, it continues to go down. And in any graph that I was able to find of their company metrics, it was going down. So we'll see, we'll see. Maybe internally they're doing a lot better than what is out on the internets right now, but I don't think they are. Yeah. So keep an eye on it. Who knows? Maybe uh, whoever wants to invest in a big disc golf company or a disc golf manufacturing plant, Go for it, but don't buy the blue sky because Prodigy will not be worth anything. Yeah. The last thing I'll just say is that this is, and the internet has already talked about it. It's going to be very difficult case to, if it goes to trial at all, just because there's so many little nuances that are disc golf in this case that it's going to be dragged on for a while because things are going to have to be explained to a jury and to a judge that mm -hmm. like, what counts as like, a signature disc is it one mold two plastics like that's one of the things that's been brought up in the case and like to us like, disc golf folks one mold is one disc like not one mold two plastics so don't need to right it, it doesn't that, matter the but, plastic yeah mm -hmm. we don't need to divulge into all that stuff but like i said there's just gonna it's it's gonna be hard because of all the nuances that that make up disc golf yep yep all right. Well, do we want to move on to Waco? Yeah. All right. Alrighty. So we got Waco coming up and of course it's not on my recent tournament. So, um, do either of you have Waco up as far as making our choices? Uh, yeah, I can pull it up right yeah, now. I do. Um, okay. So we will make our choices for Waco. We will do FPO and MPO, and we will do the top three of both. Um, we can do an honorable mention if we so choose, but let's keep it to four or less on the choices. Who would like to go first? Uh, you can go JP. I'm just kind of scrolling through okay. unless you're not ready. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Good. All right. Number three, I'm going to take Chris Dickerson for MPO. Number two, I'm going to take Calvin. And numero uno, I'm going to actually take Paul Macbeth. Okay. 
Do you want to go FPO picks right away, or do you want to Ben or I to take the next picks? Why don't we just go MPO, and then we'll flip it around and do FPO. Okay. I'll go ahead next. So I am going to take P. McBee in three. I'm going to take Heimberg in two. And as long as Matty O is playing, I'm going to take him for the win. I am going to pick uh, Emerson Keith, number three. I am going to take uh, number two. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Ricky. And I'm going to go. Corey Ellis for the win. I'm going to go Dark Horse just because Ooh. I feel like he's been knocking on the door and he does play well in the woods and Brazos is pretty tight. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. So, JP, you had Macbeth, number one, Heimberg, two, and Chris Dickerson, third. Okay. Perfect. Um, uh-oh. All right, let's go with FPO. Ben, you want to start with FPO? Uh, I'm going to take the obvious. I'm going to go with Christmas Tatar. Uh, she's back. Um, mm-hmm. And then I am going to take Holland in second. Is she playing? I think so. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take her second. And then I am in third. I think I, I probably went in reverse order. Uh, I'm going to go Owen. I thought you were going to pick Kona. No, but I did meet her. She's very nice. And not that we didn't think she was a nice person, but I'm just saying I met her and she was very nice to me. Met a lot of nice pros. She's $500,000 nice. Yeah. Nicest pros I met over the weekend. Not a not a sponsor, not a plug because they're Lone Star, but I did talk to AJ and Dan Carey for like 25 minutes about Lone Star. Super nice people. That's, That's awesome. Awesome. Hey, we got to meet Terry. Well, I, I got to meet Terry, the owner as well, and then talk to all the four boys sitting around the table there selling slanging discs. So, JP, uh, I'll go if you don't mind. Yep, go for it. Okay, we have... I'm going to go with Handley to take it down. And third place, I'm going to go with Hanson. And then for second place, I am actually going to put Cat back in there. So I'm going to skip on Tatar. She'll be my honorable mention. I think very well she could be the person that wins it. The reason I'm not picking Tatar is because she still is saying that there are some elbow issues that she hasn't worked out yet. So we'll see how that plays out when she comes to Waco. Is Paige Pierce playing? And we all mm-hmm. skip over. It doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say it. I not didn't didn't miss her at LVC. <laughs> uh, I don't know. actually talked about. I, honestly, I. I I didn't even think about her. Yeah, I. Yeah, we talked about that on the on the car ride back. That you know, 
she wasn't necessarily missed, but it would have been interesting just because she's good for the field and she's you know good in that regard. But mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I, I I'm resentful to the opinion that because Kristen and Paige weren't there, that it wasn't a real win for Cat. And I'm just like, come on. Like I don't care. I know that. <laughs> they're, they're I don't, it was not, a win. You know, a win is a win. win. She crushed too. Like there's just no doubt about it. Like she wired and to go wire to her, wire. Like you know, it's not like she sneaked anything out. And other than a select few holes, her putt was nails. She was she was hitting him from all ranges. Uh, just amazing. All right, JP, what's your choice? Okay. Um. Third place, I'm going to take Missy. Mm-hmm. Second, I think I'm going to go with... I want to say Valerie Mondahano. It's a risky choice with her coming mm-hmm. back. I did see her on the bag with Alexa for Alexis. She, yeah. um, she was caddying. She was all over the place. <laughs> yeah. And then... First, wait, who did? I, and then first place, I'm gonna say I'm gonna go dark horse, and uh, well, not really. I was gonna say Macy Valadez, but she'll be my wild card, my honorable mention. Macy's and, um, honorable mention, not the winner. No. Okay. I was I was thinking about it. Um, I'm just uh, hmm. I, I, Holland to win. Holland Hanley. Holland, good choice. Friend of the podcast. All right. To recap, JP, you have Macbeth, Heimberg, Dickerson, Holland, Mandahano, Alexis, and Missy. Uh, ben, you have Coriolis, Ricky, and Keith, and then Tatar, Holland, and Own. I am taking Matteo, Heimberg, Macbeth, and then Handley, Cat, and Hansen. I feel like these are very strange picks for this year, but we just don't know how things are going to shake out, so they could be fantastic. Just looking at the I list. I don't page but... usually does. Oh, go for it, Ben. I was just going to say, just looking at the list, it looks like Nate Perkins is playing. So that'll be our first taste of what he's throwing um, now that he's not oh, at yeah. this mania. So that'll be because he didn't play LVC. Um, again, not a person that we really missed. But, um, but still, <laughs> I mean, it's just interesting from a standpoint of if he's going to you know throw some of those old reliables or if he's going to kind of mix in some other stuff. So we'll see. He, I thought, might have been picked up for coverage for uh, the Pro Tour to be, you know, that on on the field rep- in the field reporter, you know, during one, yeah. this uh, event. But yeah, interesting that he's going to be there throwing. It's because they they listen to our podcast, so they respect our opinion when we say he's. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had something white on my collar. Did you see that? <laughs> For YouTube folks, you can see me like freak out about this like white thing on my collar. All right. Uh, So PDGA hit a milestone. Not only did they change their logo, but 250,000 members. And that's not active members. That's just total members through the history of PDGA. So this is what, 1983? That's an impressive number. Considering 2016 was when I officially joined the PDGA and got a number, kind of broke down and paid the 50 bucks. And I'm 80,000 more 81406 or 81407, excuse me. 
Hmm. Maybe 406 is Jordan. So that's amazing. I mean, what's that? Six years? No, seven years. And then I got my number in officially got it in t- spring of 2021 and I'm one, six, four, nine, nine, five. So, you know, that's a big jump, right? Even there between our numbers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was five years and JP, where's your that? I'm uh one Oh three, one Oh two. And I think I got mine in 2017 or 18. Yeah. That was the first springtime, right? Yeah. I think, or the second springtime. Cause I, think yeah, I that... didn't play. I don't think I had a PGA PDGA number during the first one. So it might've been the second one. Yeah. It was the second one. That was 2018. So yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's crazy numbers. I mean, that's, that's really awesome. It shows you the growth of the sport. It does show you that it is continuing to climb because we just hit 200,000 members. I don't know the exact date, but it was last year. Mm-hmm. So we've gained 50,000 more members within a year's time. So uh, that's awesome. That's great for the sport. I'm super happy about it. And I hope you guys are too, because we have a podcast and we have a store. <laughs> so it, it helps. It and helps events, the more people we events. have and yeah, events. And I mean, people can come play these events and get a rating and track right? your progress. It's great. Exactly. It's a great thing. So as much as we say there needs to be another entity in disc golf to be a rules agent, um, I'm really glad PDJ is there because they they do a lot. They help with education. They help bringing new people in. Um, so I think there's a fantastic, I think they're a fantastic organization. And for 50 bucks, you get a disc, you get a little badge, you get what else? Like stickers, you get all that stuff. I mean... Well- and you get discounts at and, certain hotels and I think uh, car rentals and there's a little mm-hmm. per- other perks you get along with it. I should have whipped out yep. my card yep. when I was trying to get a, get a car to go to Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> I could have what I could get. Yeah. I, I don't remember if it's with a certain company, but yeah, you definitely get a, a percentage off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's all good stuff. So congratulations, PDGA, for the 250,000 members. All right team merch on a manufacturer level. So I told Ben that I could turn this into a topic and I can. The reason why I'm saying this is because what is the money grab or what I feel is a money grab for manufacturers by putting out sites that are through the manufacturer to sell team merch? So individuals on Team Discraft, basically all their high-level players have on the team page for Discraft all their merch and all their stuff. Why don't they push it out to the thousands of stores that are in the United States? Why don't they give us an option to buy all these things? Why don't they push these products out to us? So granted, I don't know the structure of the deal, but I'm hoping that it's in my optimist world. I hope that it's so that they can maximize the the profit for the player, because if you have to send it to a wholesaler, then that's another piece of the pie that gets taken away because they have to sell it then at a wholesale cost. And then there's just other factors into it. 
no, that's just my optimist. I hope. But money taken away from who? The manufacturer or the player? For the from the player. Okay. Because you know, that, I mean, that's just me being an optimist. Because if you know, if they're giving all the profits that they make, or a larger percent of the profits from what they make from from a consumer, uh, like you or I buying a Yuli hat or whatever it may be, and that money hopefully goes to the player. Where if you then have to sell it at a wholesale cost. Yes, there's larger opportunities, but they could still eat into the to the profit of what the player is actually making. And as we know, these items help support them. You know, it's just like, you know, we both buy discs off of the players at, at LBC that, you know, that goes to support them. So, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I mean, this is all me being an optimist. That's just kind of what I'm hoping. Okay. Okay. What about you, JP? Do you have any thoughts about it? Yeah, it's interesting that all the elite team players have their own individual stores, and I'm hoping that's for quicker turnaround into getting them their money quicker and having it being more itemized rather than just having it go into a Discraft team store and then going item by item and saying, okay, this item is sold in the store, now we have to figure out a way. Maybe they've been able to have a system where it's like Venmo or something where they can just get it to the player faster that way. And everybody, I don't know, but I, it's interesting that they couldn't get it to smaller stores. I, but I don't know. I, th- I just hope it all works out for the players in the best way possible. That's all that really matters mm-hmm. is getting them the money that they are owed through these products and get it to them as quickly as possible. Yeah. I think there's good and bad with it. I think the reason I complain about it is being a wholesaler. I look at it and this direct direct to consumer model that disc golf has doesn't help the retailer. So with, you know, owning a, a retail shop, it's hard for me to look at all these companies dropping exclusive discs on their own site that we can't take part in and dropping exclusive merch on their own sites that we can't take part in yet. We have a contract with them so that we can sell their products. And then they come back to us and say, Hey, you're not buying enough stuff. That's why we're not allowing you to have these things. So it's kind of that, that double-edged sword, you know, it's, we get, the opportunity to get certain things, but then we're not given the opportunity to get other things, which are the high selling high market things where we could turn a ton of them. And then when we want certain things that are at a certain level, we can't get them. So it's like, you know, you're battling with this. So it's, it's, it's a weird thing to compete with as a wholesaler when I'm competing with the people that I'm buying the product from, it's just hard as a retailer. So when I look at the team stamp stuff, I think that's fantastic stuff, but over the years they have just pushed team stuff out to us. And every time we get a box, it has team stuff in there. We don't get to choose whether we have the team stuff or not in it. They give us the team stuff. So that is guaranteed dollars going into the pockets of these players. Why not just push more team stuff out to us? you know, or give us an opportunity to grab more team stuff. I don't know. It just, it seems a little underhanded to me. It seems a little greedy to me. If it is what Ben says, 
then I'm for it. hundred percent. If it's a way to keep our hands off the disc, so the players get more money, I still want the opportunity to sell these things, but that's awesome. The players are getting more money. That's only going to keep them on the road longer. That's going to keep them in the sport. That's going to keep them, you know, on the coverage. So it's only good for the sport, but it sucks as a retailer that we can't bring in all this stuff to sell to our customers. Yeah. Maybe. You never so, know. I mean, oh, the store yeah. just dropped the, sorry, the store just dropped recently, like very recently, like the team mm-hmm. store. So you never know. It might open up to, to wholesale soon. Um, I would hope that you would at least be able to, if you're not bringing in the disc, because that's out of obviously what we've talked about in the past before, like a lot of that's out of your control. Mm-hmm. You just get a box from this craft and it's right. Well, hopefully you might be able to order some of like the other things like Adam Hammes sweatshirts. Cause you know, he's one of our own, he's a Wisconsin guy or like the Yuli patch, like just some of these other things would be, mm-hmm. would be cool for you to, to bring in. Um, so players can support, you know, their favorite pros in that regard. Right. Right. So now with the negative Nancy out of the way, I think it's awesome. I'm really glad that all these players get the support from their manufacturer. And I think it's also awesome that the players don't have to deal with setting up their own stores and trying to promote their own stores and market their own stores and break into a, um, a market that is absolutely flooded and trying to make a living online. I think, I think Discraft is doing the right thing. Um, that doesn't mean I can't complain about it. <laughs> it just also helps. I was going to ask you. Just... Sorry, go for it. <laughs> Sorry, that's on me. I was just going to say the last thing was just that it was just, it's just an easy way for them to not have to worry about shipping or lugging a lot of these items around with them on tour. Mm-hmm. Like that, it's just all yep. done through Discraft. It's out of their warehouse. And plus that probably keeps the shipping cost lower for us as a consumer because of right. the relationship that, you know, just this craft has that then they're just pumping out packages left and right. Right. There are huge advantages for the players. I, I, I think it's a great thing. Go ahead, JP. No, I was going to ask as the, you know, um, when you got, was it Ledgestone? Obviously that sat in the store for quite a while. You had a lot of Ledgestone discs. Um, As a retailer, like you also mentioned, you just get a box of, pro discs or whatever discs from Discraft, you never know what you're yet. With the mm-hmm. merch, if that were to come to you, I have a feeling that you would just get random stuff. Like you wouldn't be able to pick. Right. Is there worry of you that merch just sitting there based on what players, like obviously the more popular players are going to like, their stuff's going to sell faster. And then mm-hmm. you're just sitting on a bunch of their st- other players stuff. That's not going to sell as fast. Right. And then even if you're retail, store owner if you had the option you'd probably want to buy the more popular players merch because you know that's the stuff that's going to sell and then you don't have that retail that you know those goods sitting on the shelf for longer than what they should be i agree yeah i i think that is something that would be an issue if they basically sent us a mystery box as they do now now we know what's coming in these boxes but we don't get to choose of how many basically you're allotted it based on your wholesaler volume or excuse me, your retail volume. So however many discs we buy determines how many discs we can get. Um, or the total money spent, let's do it that way. The total money spent puts us in a tier and we're fortunately in the highest tier, but it still doesn't, we're not in the highest, the elite tier that like 
you know, some of the infinite discs, OTB, those ones that are getting thousands of discs a month, we're not in that tier because they can choose what they want. I wish we could just choose those retail things. Cause if I could get a bunch of Euliberry hats, I would grab some Euliberry hats. If I could get a bunch of Macbeth hats, I would grab some Macbeth hats and maybe they do have them. Maybe I'm missing out on the order form that they have that stuff on. But as of right now, it just hasn't been a huge or promoted option for us. Um, it could just be my ignorance as a retail shop owner that I haven't been able to get those things, but I highly doubt it. Um, cause I'm, I'm all over these sites looking for stuff all the time. So, but who knows, who knows, maybe I'm wrong, you know, but I think if it is the way that Discraft does it, where they would just pack up a box of merch and send it to us, I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want that. I would only want the stuff that sells. So, and then regionally to us, like Hamas, yeah, he would sell. It would sell. Definitely. AB would probably sell too. So, all right. Anything else on that? No, I'm good. I think it's just a cool concept and I just hope it doesn't get stagnant. I think that's like my, my hope is that they push out new designs. Yeah. They push out new things. Um, at least based on Adam Hamas's Instagram, it sounds like, you know, with his sweatshirt and some of his stuff, he got to design it. So that's pretty cool too, that it wasn't just like, Hey, we put, we designed this for you, go sell it now. So yeah, it's a cool concept. Yeah, I hope other, yeah. I hope other manufacturers do it. I hope so too. And I, as long as they don't treat it like their tour disc where everybody gets the same design on the tour disc, um, and then do they just slap their name on it? As long as they don't do that with the merch, I think it'll be successful. They make it individual to that person, kind of let their personality shine through kind of like they did with Paul Macbeth in the California collection. I think it'll be successful. All right, Ben, time for you to do your thing. Red or blue pill, gentlemen. It's my turn to pick, right? I think so. I pick red. Okay. If you had to form a secret society, what would be the basis of your secret society? What would it be built around? Good choices or good question. Tell me the truth. Was it really two questions or are you just, well, there's two questions. My, my secret society would be based around the fact that Ben didn't have two questions. No, I had, I, had, I had two questions. Do you want to know what the other question was? No, 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 no. I'm just joking. Tell you, All I... right. I would base my secret society around tacos. Do you think Tacos El Gordo thinks about it, me as much as I think about them? I don't know, but it feels like that girl, like that you saw somewhere that you never talked to her, never did anything. You just like saw her across the mall or like sitting in the movie theater. That's what I feel like Tacos El Gordo is, is that girl that didn't even recognize us, but we recognized her. And that's the way I feel about Tacos El Gordo because I love that place and I don't think they love me. <laughs> So my secret society would be based around, maybe it'd be like th three secret knocks to get into the back room at Tacos El Gordo. 
That'd be great. Maybe I don't want to go back. <laughs> Maybe I just want to have my persona of what it is. Maybe there's something back there that's... I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of... We don't talk about Bruno in that regard. Because it's a secret society. Correct. And honestly, I don't care what's going on in the back room if it tastes that good. <laughs> oh, boy. JP, you got to go to LBC right, next year just solely for Tacos El Gordo. That's, that's, that's uh, Let's see. What would I... I don't have anything that cool. Um, <laughs> like fried chicken. <laughs> I'm a fan of fried chicken. I'm a fan of fried chicken. That's no secret. (laughs) No. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something like kind of like really off kilter, but like Police Academy movies? I don't know. (laughs) Ah, there you go. Okay. I like that one. What was his name? Uh, Hawk Hawkeye was like the kind of like by the rules guy. With the air horn oh. all the time, right? <laughs> was that, or was that the chick? Was Hawkeye the chick? No, Hawkeye's no. in MASH. Hawkeye is in MASH. I was thinking of Tackleberry. Tackleberry. Okay. And there's Mahoney and Larval. Wait, is Larval Jones his real name? I don't remember if that's the guy's real name who does like all the sound effects with his mouth. Uh, that That's his real name. Yeah. I forgot what his name is in Police Academy. Ben, do you know what we're talking about right now? Uh, I've seen Police Academy once, so maybe I'm okay. gonna need to rewatch it now after this. Fast well, there's movie a, ever, right? There's like six movies. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Fast and the Furious. There's a ton of them. Dude, there's a tenth one of those it's... coming out. Yeah, pretty obnoxious. It's the hey, last. Hold your tongue. <laughs> you guys are ridiculous. I can't believe you spoke out loud like that. <clears throat> Maybe maybe my secret society would be based on Fast and the Furious. Huh? What do you think of that? Cool. <laughs> cool I, for you guys. I was having a conversation with somebody and I said, you should write down all the movies that you thought were absolute bangers back in the day. Like movies you watched when you were a kid and like how you thought they were like the best movies in the world. And just go back and rewatch them. For instance, like Land Before Time or Little Monsters or like Alf, Dinosaurs, Fraggle Rock, like all the old school stuff that we were just like, this is the best movie in the world or best show in the world. I bet you if you go back, that list is going to get really short. (laughs) I can see that. Yeah, for sure. All right. Ben, why don't you answer the question? What would your secret society be based off of? Uh, my secret society, well, I could do two. I could do one that's disc golf related and one that's not. Uh, the one that's disc golf related is, is that, uh, a change of your mini can change your round. So I, I always have in my bag at least four minis, uh, cause if the putting stroke's not there or, uh, shots aren't there, change your mini you might change the vibe of the card. So Huh. Do you know that I don't mark my discs? Uh, I Not even in tournament play? Never mark my disc. I leave the disc where it is. The only time I use a mini is if I go OB. Or I need to use the disc that's down. Hmm. 
So I always carry my mini in my back pocket. I've had the same mini since I started, but I only, I don't, even in the circle, if I'm putting, won't pick up a mini. I mean, won't pick up the disc. Hey, That's man. why I always have at least two putters. Those three inches might help. You never know. It's like nine inches. It's like nine. Come on. That sounds weird. We should stop talking about inches. She said. Oh, <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. I knew you were going to come with that. Yeah. All right. So shop updates, doordisc.com. So keep in mind, door underscore disc underscore golf, night underscore owl underscore pod, um, and then doordisc.com. And you can also find us on YouTube, doordisc golf. So Clash Discs is coming in. Ben is working with um, Bobby to get the discs for the um, Clash at the Creek. And we ordered some extras that will be going into the shop. So we should have roughly about 60 discs that will be for sale through the shop. Extra. Um, and Ben, we did order four molds. And those molds are? You're going to put me on the spot because people at Putting League asked me what they were. And I was keeping it a secret. Uh, oh, then you don't have to then. I'll, no, it's a secret. Here's what I'll do. Shh, don't say anything. Here's what I'll say. It's two distance drivers, a fairway driver, and a mid. So, uh, Clash right. doesn't have an extensive lineup, but you can kind of do what they are. Um, on a personal note, I always oh, say no putters. I, just... I don't know. He said, I thought he said honey, but, uh, on a personal note, I, oh, for okay. tournaments, I try and pick this that everybody can use. Uh, so that's, that's kind of the vibe is doesn't matter your level of play. Yeah. Cookie. You can pick a disc <laughs> that, uh, that you can, that can go in your bag and give you an experience with some clash tests. And don't worry, I argued and got him to submit to a more overstable disc for the bigger arms. And for the people that don't have big arms, they just want to throw stuff that the pros throw. All right. We do have the huge Lone Star disc order coming in. Um, it, they're just behind in production, as we thought. Um, we were assured by Mr. One Josh Hofstra that that's not the case, but for sure, I received an email back that they are behind, um, by quite a bit because they're getting such a flux of orders. So we should have that. They're hoping to ship by the end of this week, if not the beginning of next week. Um, and then they said, if you need stuff now, go to our wholesale site or our Shopify site which ultimately was at Discs Unlimited. And I kind of felt offended by that um, <laughs> for absolutely no reason. But I was just like, why would you redirect me to another wholesaler instead of ordering them through you? I've been ordering from you from the beginning. Um, so then, and we got our S-Line Dismania stuff in. So the PDs, DD3s, and FDs. And I'll tell you what, I was able to hold and throw an FD they are magical. They're exactly what I would hope for in an S-Line FD. They are not, I repeat, they are not like the OG S-Line FDs. They are what I would consider probably a little closer to the OG C-Line FD. Um, but I'm assuming they're going to beat in and probably become more like an OG S-Line. So... There you go. For any of those of you that have been throwing them for that long, that's what they'll be. So I'm excited. It'll probably go in my bag and I'm going to layer a whole bunch of straight fairways because that's who I am. Anything else? I'm waiting for you, JP. No, I don't have any information. JP, 
you're letting the people down. I don't know if I am anymore. I think you are. I think there's so much anticipation now for this OnlyFans page. <sighs> okay. <laughs> hey, people give a hoot, okay? <laughs> so do night owls. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, with that being said, keep us up par. Peace. Ben, you have to hit the leave I button. I have to hit it. Yeah.